Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now you're instructed in the Word to look not at the things that are seen, but to focus on that which is unseen. In this day and hour, that is more imperative than ever. For that which is seen will alarm, will cause fear, will put panic in your heart. Oh, but that which is unseen will give you peace, will strengthen and cause you to rise up in the provision of God. Make the choice, for my word will empower you and my spirit will guide you to walk in that unseen reality and be a blessing in the scene. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now lift your hands and thank God for that. A good thing to do is to pay attention to what you're hearing, especially if you like to watch the news and different things like that. And as your pastor... I want to exhort you not to believe everything you hear. <laughs> Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Just don't believe it. Just don't believe it. There's so much going on. So many things are happening. So much is happening around the world. And you know, I, I've, I've come to this determination. I'm not going to let anybody tell me I have something I don't know I have. Whether it's medical, social, political, I'm not going to let somebody tell me. You know, I remember one time in, a, in, in Dublin, Ireland, we were holding a con wonderful conference. We were teaching in a, one of the night services I was conducting. I gave an altar call and a precious woman came up that was just broken, crying, weeping. She'd been in a meeting the night before, kind of a weird meeting. And she said that a prophet, quote, you know, it's always a prophet, told her that she had a secret sin she knew nothing about. And all day long, she, had, she said, I went home last night and I cried and I cried out to God, Lord, show it to me. I'll stop doing it. She said, I, I, I got up this morning. I was worrying. I was like, oh, my God, I've got a secret sin in my life. I don't know anything about. What am I going to do? What am I going to She said, I heard they were having this meeting here at Black Rock tonight. Black Rock's a college there in, in Ireland. I said, here at that. So I came tonight and, and she was just, I mean, she was just weeping. I stood her up on her feet. And, the, you know, the Holy Ghost is so wise. He knows just what to say. I said, uh, if I hit you in the head with a hammer, would you know it? She kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, well, yes. I said, why would you know it? She said, it would hurt. I said, if you sinned and you knew it, would it hurt? She said, yeah. I love the Lord. I wouldn't sin. I said, then that's stupid what that guy told you. And you know, the peace of God, you just saw it just wash over her. You know, there's a big campaign right now trying to convince people they have something they don't have or they are someone they're not. Thank God you're a new creature in Christ. Thank God we can go to the Word of God and find out exactly who we are, who we belong to, whom whom's we are, amen? Now, we've been studying this for a for a few weeks, and I'm going to be, kind of begin to make a turn tonight into some things I think that will really bless you. But I want to go back to where we started in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, years ago, I used to, yeah, I mean, when I talk about years ago, way back when I first came back to the Lord in 1984, that was the first scripture God actually spoke to me in my spirit. I never, I didn't know what it was. And he said to me, go, go read Romans chapter 12. And he actually said verses 1 and 2. So I went and read them and I understood about, you know, not being conformed. But I, I didn't understand stuff about well, presenting my body. Well, you know, one thing is, one way you present your body to God is you bring your body to church. I know there are a lot of people saying, well, I, at heart I'm at church. Well, you're not. <laughs> Your heart's with you. Amen. Well, in my heart I'm there. No, you're not. We need your body here. If I have the choice whether I have your heart or your body, I'd rather have your body. Because I know if I got your body, I got your heart. <laughs> if I got your heart, I don't know if I got you or not. Amen. So, just coming to church is a presentation of your body because you use your body. Then when you get here, you know, what we believe, what we see in the Word of God, which is scriptural, gives you all kinds of opportunity to use your voice to sing, to lift your hands, to worship God. Then you think about all the things you used to use your body for to sin. You quit doing that. Then all the things you do or you use your body for to walk in righteousness. You read the Bible. You use your eyes. You use your hands. You witness to people. You use your hands to bless other people. There's all kinds of ways to use your body. And here's the thing that I noticed in my life. As I begin to present my body as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, I begin to be able to control my body. The appetites, the desires of my body. Amen? And listen, a lot of other things, like things like prayer. Many times in prayer, people, people have great intention to prayer, and then they'll kneel down to pray, and, and you know, they'll pray 10, 15 minutes, and then unconsciously their body will get up and start walking off. You kind of think, where are you going? Amen? That's why I challenge people, learn to pray for an hour, which means for an hour you pray. You say, well, how do I do that? Start with five minutes. Then go to ten minutes. Then go to 20 minutes. That's what I did. And I got to the place, especially when I was traveling, where I could preach, I could pray many times, two and three hours at a time. I tell you, you pray two and three hours at a time. There is a, there is a dimension of God's glory that you tap into that you'll never discover any other way. I mean, there's something that comes into, your, into the essence of the room and something that comes into the essence of your life because your mind, that first hour, your mind will wander. That second hour, your mind will catch gear. Your spirit will take over. Next thing you know, while you're praying in tongues, your mind's having a worship service. You get into that third hour, it's amazing. It's amazing. Even your own, you can begin to taste sweetness in your mouth as you pray. If you've ever experienced it, it's an awesome thing. Now, here's the thing. Our bodies many times give us the, the most trouble because our bodies are in a continual state of, of decay from the time we're born to the time we die. It's the phenomenon uh, uh, of the fall. Spiritual separation from God caused physical death to take place. Thank God Jesus has redeemed us from spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death. Amen. Amen? And then also, your body is where your appetites are formed. And in your body, you can form appetites of righteousness. I used to have appetites that were unrighteous. Amen? I mean, really unrighteous appetites. Those unrighteous appetites, what they will do to you is they will kill you. They will kill you. Thank God I got delivered from unrighteous appetites. But I have appetites now in me. I mean, I would love to see revival break out five services a day. Wouldn't that wear you out? Wouldn't wear me out. Amen? 
Y'all probably have to go come, come capture me somewhere, you know. Say, man, you've been going for two years like this. You've got you to take a break. Amen? I mean, you get under the anointing, get in the presence of God. I've got into conferences before, and they seem like they go, like, go by like that. You're like, well, didn't we just start this thing? The glory of God would come. The power of God would give, uh, begin to move. And next thing you know, it's over. You're like, oh, my God. How do we get off on that? It's good anyway. Maybe God's preparing us for things to come. Amen? Yeah. But now the next scripture, verse 2, that's where we kind of started digging into for the last few weeks. It says, and be not conformed to this world. Now, what we, what we said was this, and this is something that you need to understand. There has never been a time on the earth in America. Now, in other nations, we could probably find some times where it's been like that. But in America, there has never been a time like we're in right now in which there is forced confirmation. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this. You have to do that. Now, you know, things that are righteous, I don't have any problem with. But things that are unrighteous, I, I'm not going to submit because I'm told I have to. There are certain lifestyles that I'm still going to tell people that's not right. You should not live like that. You should not be like that. You should not behave like that. That will cost you your eternal soul. Somebody's got to tell the truth. I mean, it seemed like... 10 or 12 years ago, we lived in a period of time in which some ministers got really big and really got some notoriety and were brought onto some of the, you know, the premier talk shows of, of different ones, you know, afternoon or night talk shows. And then when really pressed on the question, when really pressed on the question, uh, you know, if I'm Jewish, will that get me to heaven? If I'm Muslim, will that get me to heaven? They were like, well, you know, we don't want to judge anybody. Come on. You're sending thousands of people to hell when you say that. No, no. There's not one but one way to heaven. That's Jesus the righteous. It does not matter what anybody says. And listen, I don't belittle those preachers. I'm not, I don't understand the pressure of that. I have been on national TV before, but I don't understand the pressure of that, especially being on a worldly show like that. But one guy in particular, Larry King, who interviewed, I think he's, didn't he pass away here a few weeks ago? Man, I hope he got saved. But he, he, he talked about, he said, you know, I've interviewed all these preachers, and he named all. He said, nobody ever tried to convince me to get saved but one guy. He said, one guy would not leave. He said, man, he talked to me and talked to me and talked to me. That was Jimmy Swaggart. And, and he said, it was when Jimmy Swaggart had got exposed for all this sin, all this kind of stuff, and I did an interview with him, and it was a rough interview. He said, after him, he looked at me, and he pointed his finger at me and said, you must be born again. He said, I don't care what's happened to me. He said, I don't care what, what, what my sin or my, my insecurity. He said, you must be born again. You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I mean, we need to, we need to be matter of fact and absolute and not be conformed to this world. I mean, there's a strong force of confirmation. You line up with this. You line up with that. Sure, there can be some changes in our government that are taking place. There is a time in which, uh, listen, America is not going to look like America anymore because in those seven-year tribulation period, no one will stand with Israel. And the only way America will not stand with Israel is unless it's weakened. No amens on that one. Study your Bible. Amen. So, confirmation, but we don't have to be conformed. We can be what? Transformed. By what? The renewing of our mind. We begin to talk about imaginations, all those things. I love it in the, in the uh, let me read it in the, in the Passion. Stop imitating, now notice, the ideas and opinions 
of the culture around you. Now, let me tell you something, church. We are not called to preserve any kind of culture. An ethnic culture, a geographic culture, any kind of culture. We are called to live as Christ has called us to live. Amen. And I've been in nations of the world. I still preach in nations of the world. And there are things in every culture that go against the grain of righteousness. But the good news is we got power in the Word of God and power of the Holy Ghost that can break off the negative things of culture out of your life and impart, for lack of a better word, the culture of God into your life. Because you'll find out you're going to live in the culture of God for eternity. So you might as well start learning about it now. Amen. Be not... Uh, stop imitating the ideas, the opinions, and culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the uh, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will, even as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Now that, that's happened to me twice, where I've taught, been teaching the word on redemption, teaching on redemption, and made the statement. We, the first time was in the Philippine Islands when we were teaching. We had about 800 pastors and their wives, and we were teaching way back in 1989. And I and I just it just came out of me. I mean, when you get to preaching, many times you disconnect from your from your from your from your intellect and you hook to a gift. And I remember saying, "That's your problem. That's your problem. You're a Filipino. You think like one. You act like one. You live where Filipinos live. That's your problem." Well, thank God He always bails you out. The other time was in my, my buddy's church up in Houston. All I think we were the only uh, two white people there, only two gringos there. Everybody else was Hispanic. Amen? And, you know, we kind of felt like Davy Crockett at the Alamo. <laughs> but I said, i never forget when I said it, because jo- Joe and Carmen, the, the two pastors, were sitting on the front row. I said, your problem is you're a Mexican. Boy, you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> I said, you act like one, you think like one, you live where they live. That's all of our problems. We think white, we think black, we think male, we think female, we think uh, upper Texas coast, we think America. When God says no, there's a different kind of thinking and that thinking will transform you and you will not draw your identity from an ethnic background, the color of your skin, a geographical location, an education, amount of money in the bank. You will draw your identity from who you are in Christ and that will empower you above everything else on this earth. Amen. Amen. Now, with that in mind, how's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Here's where we kind of kind of make our turn. Matthew chapter 16, beginning there in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, that's the word uh, Elijah, others Jeremiah or Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Now notice this. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. Everybody say the Christ. Say it again, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now notice this. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Who's going to build his church? 
He is. I, notice, I and my are possessive terms. Say, Pastor, do you own Island Church? No, Jesus does. This is his church. I, I like to say it like this. You know, I am the under-shepherd, and every time we come to church, I'm not trying to see how close I can get you to, uh, to the under-shepherd. I'm trying to see how close I can get you to the chief shepherd. Because if I can get you close to the chief shepherd, you're going to get some blessings into your life. Amen. Amen. So, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father that's in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give... Anytime you see those words in red letter, you need to pay close attention unto, you, unto them. I will give unto thee the keys. Everybody say the keys. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever and, who, and whatsoever you shall bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever that shall loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Two New Testament terms you need to familiarize yourself with. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now we know the word kingdom, it's the word dominion. The dominion. You listen, the kingdom of God should be working in your life. The kingdom of God is a method. The kingdom of God is the way God does things. That's why one of the greatest deliverances you can ever have is just being delivered by wanting to do everything your own way. Well, I've prayed, but I want God to do it this way. It'll never work. It'll never work. Listen, you can't talk compromise with God. When you start talking compromise, He turns and walks away. That's probably one of my worst traits. I'll be standing talking to somebody. Sometimes with Lee, I'll be standing talking. She'll be talking, talking, talking. I'll just turn and walk away. <laughs> well, I'm working on it. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what God does. When you start telling him how he's going to do something, when he's going to do it, how he's going to all that kind of thing, he turns and walks away. He says, mm, I'm going to go over and do something else. I'm going to go over and create a universe. You're on your own, buddy. Be your own God for a while. Amen? Well, you don't want that to happen. No. He's going to give us what? Keys. Now notice, not to the kingdom of God, not to the methodology of the way God does things, but He's going to give us keys to produce what the kingdom of God is designed to produce is the kingdom of heaven on earth. Did you know it is the will of God for you to experience some heaven on earth? That is the dominion of heaven. You say, what do you mean the dominion of heaven? Listen, in your home, you ought to, everything in your home ought to be designed by your obedience to the kingdom of God to produce in your home the kingdom of heaven. The peace of God. I've got some of our people that come here and preach. Some of them come and stay in our home. And a couple of them really like it. And what they really like about it is the peace of God. And we got parrots squawking and dogs barking, all kinds of stuff. But there's the peace of God. There's the kingdom. No, there's the dominion of heaven. God wants the dominion of heaven in your health. Not that you get healed every time that you get sick. But that every time you're attacked, you resist it. And not walk in healing, but divine health. That's the will of God for your life. And in your finances, God wants the kingdom of heaven in your finances. My goodness, the very heaven itself, the streets are made out of 
pure gold. I mean, the, the highest gold we have here is what, 24 karat gold? That's still yellow. You say, what do you mean? Scientists have, have studied that term and found out that if you had absolutely pure gold, you know what it'd look like? It'd be crystal clear. Absolutely pure gold would be crystal clear. Wow. And he's made heaven, the streets of heaven. I mean, you go out here, uh, you take a piece of asphalt into the store over here and say, I'd like to get a loaf of bread. They'd say, you're crazy. <laughs> but in heaven, you can buy a house with that, amen? Thank God you don't have to in heaven, but you might have to down here on the earth. So God wants what? Now, he connects all this, number one, by the revelation of who he is. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. So we start with that, foundation, Christ. Christ, the foundation. Flesh and blood. You didn't get it from the preacher. You didn't get it from the book you read. You didn't get it. God has visited you, and God has revealed into your heart that I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah, and I've redeemed you from everything the devil stole from you. Amen. Secondly, thou art Peter. So he says, you found out who I am. Now the best way to get information on who you are is through me. Let me tell you who you are. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus desires to show you who you are because you're not who you think you are. Some of you think you're male. Some of you think you're female. Some of you think you're white. Some of you think you're Hispanic. Some of you think you're Asian. Some of you think you're rich. Some of you think you're poor. You're all wrong. What you are is who God says you are. You're a new creature. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. We could go on and on and on about how God sees you. At every time God ever did anything with anybody, whether it be an individual or a generation, He revealed unto them, this is how I see you. Not how the government sees you, not how education sees you, not how money sees you. This is how I see And most people rejected it. Moses was like, get someone else. Me, a deliverer? Well, I tried that 40 years ago and, you know, tried to start my ministry with a murder. It didn't work. Amen? Gideon, you know. Well, you know, my family's the weakest family. My family's the smallest. You know, I bet God felt like saying, well, shut up. What did it say about Mary? When that angel's given her the revelation that's going to cause the Holy Ghost to move upon her and Jesus to be incarnated, the Bible said she was troubled in her mind. Talking to me? Amen? What was God doing? He can never use anybody he doesn't reveal to that person. This is how I see you. I see you as the healed of God. I see you as the blessed of God. I see you as the prosperous of God. I see you as the righteousness of God in Christ. I see you as holy. Not any holiness you've produced for yourself. I've given it, given it to you through my son Jesus. I see you as my child. I see you as royalty. I see you as blood bought. So you begin to think of yourself like that. And when you begin to think of yourself like that, that's when you begin to experience the transformation talked about in Romans chapter 12. Because you no longer see yourself in the shadow and the darkness of your past and your failures. You see yourself in the light of the new birth in which God has put his hand upon you, his seal of approval, and has made you his very own child. That's an awesome thing. Religion, religion cannot give that to you. Amen? Then he says this, okay, we've got... We've got uh, You've answered the, 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 the most important question of life. Who do you say that I am? The Father has revealed who I am. Now I'm revealing who you are. 
and based who based on who you are in me, I'm going to build something called the church. Now the church is going to be my family. The church is going to be my family, my governing body, and the church is going to be the one in which I'm going to use to carry out my mandate and my edict upon the earth. Amen. See, a lot of, a lot of people, if they really realized what the church was, they would not not be here. Does anybody know what the church is? It's Jesus. You say, well, can he be the bride and can he be the groom? Listen, you got to understand, when you try to figure stuff out with your peanut brain, you're not going to do it. <laughs> but when, listen, when Saul of Tarshish was knocked on the ground on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Because, see, he's in us and we are the church. And when you realize that that is literally... Literally, not some, you know, some theological uh, supposition in which, you know, well, we really believe that, but as far as really experiencing that, we never... That's not true. You have to understand, when the true church comes together, it looks just like the book of Acts. That's where the lost get saved, the sick get healed, the believer gets empowered, everybody gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and we end up just having a great time in the kingdom of God. God wants that on the earth now more than ever. That's why He's brought such an attack against the church. So much around the world. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't know. Because there's never been so much church around the world, there's probably never been so much persecution. But in the midst of it, you're going to see a grace come upon the church that's never been experienced, especially in America. Amen. Amen. This is going to cause an explosion of revival. You need to be, with, be there when it happens and contend for it till it does. Amen. Then he says this. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell. The councils. Now remember when it talks about the gates in these ancient times, gates is like the, the capital. Gates is like where commerce is done. It's like Wall Street and the Capitol building. Gates is where they count the city, all the elders of the city. They gather at the gates of the city. So what he's saying is all of the councils, all of the strategies, I like one translation says, and the so-called power of hell itself will not prevail against you. Well, who's he talking about? Those in the church with a revelation of Christ in them. Amen. That's who he's talking about. So whatever's going on in your life right now, if you're born again, man, you're on church on Wednesday and Wednesday night, you must know something. You must be hungry for something. You ought to say, devil, you're not going to prevail against me. Your strategy, your plan, your so-called power is not going to prevail against me because I am the church. You got to be bold enough to do that. Then he says this. Let me close with that. That's my time. I'll be about up. He said, I'm going to give you some keys. And I will give unto thee the keys, now notice, of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you the keys... These are the, the, this is the operational force of the kingdom of God, the way I do things, so that in your life you can have a little bit of heaven. And I don't just say a little bit. You can have all you want. Depends on how much you use the keys. Then immediately he says, whatsoever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatsoever you bind loose on the earth is already loosed in heaven. So immediately he shows us there's interaction between heaven and earth in allowing and disallowing. So here's, I'm going to give you the foundation of this. There's some things here on earth, you don't need to allow it. And there's some things uh, in heaven you need to call into the earth. 
You need to call into the earth. That's, listen, that's why prayer is so important. That's why meditation on the Word is so important. That's why all the things that we do to try to get the character of Christ built into our lives, that's why it's so important because God is trying to release something from heaven. Sure, we have the fullness of the covenant, everything that God has provided for us in Christ. We live in it down here, but God wants to maximize the potential of it. And everything we've ever seen, everything we've ever read, all the great revivals we've ever seen or read about, God wants to know He can still do exceedingly abundantly above all we ever ask or think. That's the kind of God He is. Now, quickly, what do you use keys for? Keys lock and unlock. Amen. Uh, A key can be used for for protection. Lock up valuables. Amen. Uh, 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 In this hour, in this day, of course, I don't think they would have had any revelation of that back then, but God knew we would be living in this day and hour. And if He wanted it some other way, He would have put some other word there. But keys can get something going. You could, listen, you could, if somebody came to you and said, I'm going to give you the most expensive car money can buy. I'm going to fill it full of the most expensive gas that you can buy with money. But you can't ever buy, you can't ever sell it, you can't ever borrow money against it, and you can never have the keys. You can be kind of like, well, what good does that do when you got all this beautiful metal and fiberglass and glass and rubber and one little piece of metal determines whether that thing gets going or not. So you think about heaven. All the glory and grandeur of heaven, the blessing of heaven, it may just be one little key that you need to know about that unlocks that and brings that into your life. Amen? Amen? So he says, I'm going to give you not just a key, but keys. It's it's not singular, but plural. Well, there's just one key. His name is Jesus. No, there's more keys. Because you can get born again. That's a key. I tell you, if you, want to, if you want your life enhanced, get born again. That's a key right there. But I'm going to tell you another key to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. That's another key. Another key is giving, tithing, and offering. Another key is renewing your mind, like we were talking about out of Romans chapter 12, not being conformed to this world, being transformed. Another key is the presentation of your body. Another key is being part of the local church, especially in this day and hour, because the church will be, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be the protection against deception in the earth. Amen? Uh, There's some things I've seen, and I tell you, it's all I can do uh, to get up here and say, man, don't listen to that, but I can't do that. But more and more as the days go by, it's being proved. It's a lie. It's just not true. It's a lie. It's just not true. It's a lie. It's just not true. Because the kingdom of this world is built on the lies of the adversary. And as we've said and taught for years and years and years, it seeks to do what? It seeks to, to, to intimidate. Amen? Manipulate. Intimidation for the, for, for the sake of manipulation, for the sake of control. If you don't think that there's an attempt to control you right now in just about every aspect of life, there's never been in America a stronger attempt at control. That, those three tenets, what are, all, what are our three tenets of, of, our, of our faith? Anybody remember? Faith, hope, and the greatest of these is love. That's, that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Amen. That's their tenets of the occult, of Satanism, of communism, is intimidation, manipulation, control. You know, years ago I was with a a, a man, just an old warrior named Dr. Lester Summerall. 
and it was right after the, the uh, Berlin Wall had come down. And, and Brother Summerall, he was sitting in a green room. He's talking to about a half a dozen of his preachers. He said, you know, he said, that religion has fallen. And I, I sat there for a minute. I thought, I hope he keeps talking about that because I, I thought that was communism. He said, communism is a religion. It's not a government. It's a religion. And he says, all false religions, if you take them and you put them into an area, they have a strength of about a, of about a generation, especially when they're godless. He said, now God, if they have a God, if they, if they, put, a, if they put up a, a statue, say that's your God, or if they have a, have a book and say your God's in here, how do they do that? He said, now they'll carry that on because they're, they're able to document and write down things about their God that can be passed from generation to generation. He said, but communism is a religion that is in full manifestation when you, when you, when you implement it. It must be implemented. You can't, you can't say, here, you're a communist, here's the book. You can't do that. It has to be implemented. You go look at what happened in Russia and how what's happened in China. Listen, we're coming up in about the 70-year thing of China, and China is getting further and further away from that because they're getting a little money in their hands. In Russia, it lasted 70 years exactly. 1917 to 1987. And the wall fell. And the back of communism, people say, oh, we had such a wonderful president. Ronald Reagan broke the back. Let me tell you, Ronald Reagan had nothing to do with it. Let me tell you why communism fell. It's because you had a bunch of preachers and you had a bunch of people who were unafraid of communism that went into the Soviet Union, that went into Poland and Czechoslovakia, and they spread the Bible all over the place, and they preached the gospel, and they got a little book in there called The Authority of Believer, and the people found out who they were in Christ, and they began to bring that thing down. And I guarantee you, in the spirit, they brought it down. And then in the natural, the whole thing fell. That's the way the thing works. Amen? So we have to understand there are keys that are going to bring what? The king. I believe there's going to be a visitation of heaven right on this earth, right before Jesus comes back to help facilitate the harvest. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the sinner. When's that going to be? Not when we get to heaven. Not when we come back in the millennial reign. Listen, when you come back in the millennial reign, you have no idea what you're going to look like. You're going to be in a glorified body. I mean, you can walk right through that wall. That'll freak them out down at City Hall, wouldn't it? You go down there to get your permit to build something, you just walk through the wall and say, I need my permit. Amen. Amen. That'll freak them out right there, I guarantee you. Somebody say, hey, you stop there. I want to talk to you about something. You just walk through the wall. See you later. I've heard people expound on that, how being able to travel at the speed of thought. You know, the only thing faster than the speed of light is what? Speed of thought. There's all kinds of miraculous, marvelous things. I like what Brother Osteen said. He said, if you were to talk to a baby inside the womb of a mother and tell that baby, you're going to have to get up, you're going to have to walk on your feet, you're going to have to feed yourself one day, they'd say, what are you talking about? They're in that mother's womb. They're cocooned in there. They're all happy. They're all safe. But one day they're going to be born. But see, we're the same way. We're in a place in which we're used to all this that goes on. But we're going to be birthed into another realm one day in which our bodies will be glorified. All that rubbish in our minds is going to be erased. The fullness of the Holy Ghost is going to come in online on inside. And we're literally going to be supermen and superwomen upon this earth for a thousand years. Woohoo! Well, God wants you doing a little bit of that right now. So, so the keys can get something started to begin the, the, the movement of the, of the kingdom of heaven into your life. Now, give me two more minutes. What I have seen in the past since, since all this craziness has started about 14 months ago, 13, 14 months ago, is there's been a real attempt of the enemy 
to steal the joy from the church. To just steal the joy from the church. There's been a real serious, how can I say this? A very serious hypersensitivity. I mean, literally. I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. Where people are so hypersensitive to every little thing that is said or done. And the edit machine of people's minds has been kicked up to another level. What do they mean when they said that? Or, the, or, you know, 13, 14 months ago, you don't ever judge things like that. Now you judge things differently. Here's why. Because man is held in bondage by the fear of death. Man is held in bondage by the fear of death. And here, here's the thought. You go to church, get COVID, and die. See, that's the enemy wants you to think that. A lot of people sit at home now because... I talk to pastors all the time. I talked to uh, two yesterday were telling me the same thing. I wish our people would come back. I wish our people would come back. They're not, they're not coming to church anymore. They, they, they think if they come to church, they'll get COVID and die. But they don't have any problem going to the grocery store or the movie theater or Walmart or anywhere else. Sonic, no problem. Well, what about there? But no, in church, you're going to get COVID. See, that's, that's, you're not using the key. You're not using the key. You're not using the key. Jesus said this in Hebrews. Hebrews is a very unique book because it's written to Jewish believers. And Jewish believers, they were getting saved in mass because there was such a great move of God that was taking place. Several different times the, uh, the, uh, the, the apostate spirit is addressed. Like, you know, you can't, you can't, once you get born again, you can't take a lamb back into that temple and kill that lamb and expect your sins to be forgiven. That's done away with. The last lamb has died. He says, if you do that, you crucify the Son of God afresh and anew. You lose what you got through salvation. Of course, we would never do that. That was very unique to the, to the, to the, to the, to the Jewish people. But then they were so persecuted and they were banned from temple worship because temple worship took place all day long. They prayed. They had times in which they prayed. Remember when Peter and John went up at the hour of the prayer into the temple? Well, they'd all been excommunicated from all these Jewish temples all over in Corinth and Philippi and all this kind of stuff. So they were, they were really fearful of gathering, fearing persecution. So the Holy Ghost, and I believe that the Apostle Paul wrote. Now, Timothy may have been there, or Titus may have been there to help him uh, 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 document it, but I believe the Holy Ghost used the Apostle Paul to give us the revelation in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 10, he said this. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Now, that, that'd be fine, and we'd all have an excuse, uh, an excuse to stay out of church, except he said this at the end of that verse. He said, even more so as you see the evil day approaching. So he knew the evil day was coming. He knew the pandemics were coming. He knew the epidemics were coming. He knew that everything the enemy would try to do to shut down what? The assembling of, of ourselves together. You say, why? Because where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. Amen. 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 So he does everything he can do because he knows if I can shut down the assembly... They'll, they'll forget about the kingdom of God, the methods in which the way God does things. And one of the methods in which the way God does things is to give you revelation by what's taught you and preached to you by a gift of God. Amen? So that gets usurped in your life. Next, the next thing you know, you think you're getting it from a, from a podcast. or something. You don't get it that way. You don't, you don't get it by proxy. 
More is caught than taught. And it can be taught over the internet, or it can be taught through technology, but it can't be caught that way. Kind of, kind of like you had to be there. Amen? So obviously Jesus expects as the end time gets closer and closer and closer, we should be gathering more and more and more. And what the enemy's always tried to do, both in the law and in the grace that we're living under right now, he's always tried to do something. Uh, if, you know, if you go read your history and what went on in Israel, he was after that temple. He, and, and today, you know what the number one issue is in the Middle East right now? You know the number one? That temple mount. That temple mount. There's people saying right now, we will shed our blood till it runs chest deep to get that temple mount back. I mean, everyone is saying that. All of the uh, evil religions of the world, I'm telling you, they will fight to the death over that temple mount. Amen. Now, the church is not a type of the temple. The temple was a building that housed the presence of God. Does anybody know where the temple is today? That's you. And the devil does not want the temples getting together. Because every one of you... See, you're, you're used to coming to the church. You're used to watching me conduct services. You're used to, to watching the praise team worship God. And you think, well, I'm just coming and sitting here. No, you, every one of you bring a provision. There is a provision in your life, and it may not be a public gift, but when you come, you join your faith, you join your fellowship, you join everything about... It's a key that'll get things going. And one of the most grievous things I've ever had to endure as a minister, I've never had to endure it as a field minister, but in church, is to watch people as they slowly... The process takes place where they slowly begin to back away from God slowly begin to back out, slowly begin to look for that back door, slowly begin to go. And it's, all, it's always a process, always slowly, 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 slowly gone. If you sense that happening to you, stop it. What are you going to do in the future without the church? How are you going to make the rapture if you're not part of a church? When he's coming back for a glorious and as we've been teaching, and I've been hearing more and more people teach on this, it's not a covenant right. Healing is. Prosperity is. It's a reward for those who are doing what God says and operating in the kingdom of God so that the kingdom of heaven can come onto the earth so people can see, oh, that's what God's like. Oh, that's who God is. Oh, that's what God, He doesn't want to kill me. He doesn't want to squish me like a bug. You mean He wants to bless me? You mean He really wants me to go to heaven? People are going to see that through you and through me. They may see it in a weenie dog race. You may laugh, but I'm telling you the truth. They may see it at a weenie dog race. They may see it at a, at a men's event or a woman's event. They may see it at a conference or a camp meeting. They may see it in a glorious service. But however they see it, that is the kingdom of heaven doing what? The kingdom of heaven has always been something in which God has used on the earth to recruit people into his family so that they see that God is a good God and that Jesus is a living Savior and that you don't have to die and go to a sinner's hell. You can live and be forever with God and all of the plans that he has for us throughout eternity. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for the keys. Lord, as we study these keys in the next few weeks, let them come alive in our spirit. Let the activation of what those keys produce, Lord, especially during this summer, 
Lord, as we go out into the community and share our lives with other people, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that they'll see Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we will not promote our church, we will not promote a ministry, we will promote Jesus as the Savior of the world. We thank you, Father, that that sanctifying blood, that abiding spirit, that empowering spirit, those keys that unlock, those keys that empower, those keys that protect. Thank you, Father, that we are the people who will be able to take full advantage of that which you've done for us in Christ. Father, thank you tonight as we leave. We use a key. We use a key to unlock the protection and safety of God, declaring over the entire congregation, no evil befalls us, no plague comes to our dwelling place, Angels of God have charge over us and our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, railways, the righteous labor of our hands, the resource you've given us. We are not subject to trauma, trouble, trauma, terror, tragedy. Thank you, Father. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. We thank you. The devourer is rebuked in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, we thank you not only that, but our hearts are turned inside out so that, Lord, we are transparent to the world so that they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They see there's hope for them. Jesus' precious name. Thank you that we will be an answer to people's prayer, problem to the devil, miracle in somebody's life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We love you so much. We leave tonight walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We live as the ambassadors of Christ who called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we are covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.